All of us are built with a longing to be loved. Um, But if we're honest, the love that we see in media and uh, portrayed by uh, various storytellers through the years isn't the real kind of love that we need. We need more than a feeling, a warm fuzzy. I'm John Fuller in the studio with Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin, and Bob Lupine is back with us uh, for a continuation of a conversation that uh, Jim Daly and I had with him. Last time he talked about um, how he met his wife, Marianne, and how he'd say things like, I love you, while they were still dating. Let's go ahead and hear more. Let me ask you, in that regard, what was happening? I mean, you're a believer. You're working for Young Life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're graduating college by this point, but when you married Marianne. But but what gave you that premise? Why, why did you feel so light-handed with it? Pop songs and rom-coms. Huh. Honestly, I, you look at this and say, we have a romantic view of love that has been shaped by pop music it's true. and romantic comedies in the movies. So you watch the Hallmark Channel, and that's where we're catechized on what it means hmm. for love and marriage. And that's where we get that sandy view of, of what love looks like. And if that's as deep as it goes, I mean, I had a highly romantic view. So if I'm having a certain feeling, I just say, you know, man, I, I love you. I love this. I love the Bible takes a completely different tact. In fact, Paul, when he writes 1 Corinthians 13, which was the the kind of the core of this book, what does real love look like? He's scolding a church for a failure to love. We, we read this passage at weddings and we say, love is patient, love is kind, and we put it in romantic terms. Paul wasn't saying it that way. He's saying, look, guys, love is patient. It's kind. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I mean, he's scolding these people for their lack of love. Hmm. Love is work boots you got to put on if you're going to make a relationship be a truly loving relationship. And it's so good. And we're going to get into that over the half hour together that, uh, you know, what love actually means. But in that regard, um, when you uh, think of engaged couples, you encourage them in the book to read the fine print. I kind of had two responses to that. One, I get it. Secondly, there's already a lot of fear (laughs) and and hesitation in family formation with 20, 30-somethings that are worried so I was a little concerned about that. But it's wise to read the fine print. What did you mean by that? Well, I, I think there are two different um, realities when it comes to thinking about marriage as engaged couples. You need to be aware that marriage is, in my view, a wonderful, glorious, it's the most magnificent, it's the deepest kind of a relationship that we can have as human beings. It's wonderful. And it's the hardest relationship you will ever have. Yeah. Those two truths are are simultaneously there. So if you go in with a Pollyanna, oh, this is just going to be wonderful. You go in with the, the what the Beach Boys taught me. It's going to make it that much better when we can say goodnight and stay together. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be nice? <laughs> so that if you just think this is good, dating is good, marriage is going to be double good, right? That's that's the naive view. The other view is what what you're talking about, Jim, and I think a lot of young people today who watch their parents struggle Struggle. or divorce or not make it work, they look around and go, who can do this? Can anybody do this? My friends can't. My parents couldn't. And they're really afraid that this is an institution that is impossible to be good at. And so we have to say, no, you can thrive in a marriage relationship and it's going to be hard. Yeah. And let's embrace that. And, you know, 
things that are hard are often the best things in life. So. Yeah. And, I, you know, Bob, you, you mentioned this. I, I don't think necessarily the science of it, but, uh, you know, neuroscientists have looked at infatuation and love to the best of their ability, MRI scans, all that kind of thing. That typically lasts a year and a half to two years, and yep. then that evaporates. Yep. It's just normal. You get into the routine of relationship. Yep. In the book, you mentioned this difference uh, where in English we have the one word love, but in Greek we have eros and agape love, mm -hmm. and there's a distinction there, and you're pointing to this. Uh, drill into this. This is like Christian boot camp here. Yeah where we really have to understand this distinction that even scientists recognize in our brain science. Right. Yeah, so the, the Greeks had a variety of words. They had the word storge that talks about family love and family bonding. They had the word philos, which is a word for deep friendships. David and Jonathan were knit together as brothers. They had a philos, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly, brotherly love. love. And then there's eros, which we get the word erotic. It's for sexual love and sexual desire. And then there's agape. And the interesting thing, and I didn't know this till I was digging in and studying this and writing the book, agape was essentially a Christian invention as a word. Huh. J.I. Packer said that this word was not prevalent in Greek literature hmm. outside and before the, the Bible came into being. This idea of self-sacrificing, self-denying love, the greater love that lays down its life for its friends, it, it didn't exist in the culture. The, the Greeks and Romans thought humility and laying down your life for somebody else was weakness, not strength. And Christians come along and say, this is the kind of love God has for us. He sends his son who dies for us. We should have the same kind of self-emptying, self-sacrificing love, this agape love. It's a completely different kind of love. There's a verse I love in, in 1 John 3, verse 1, where John says, behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us. And the word behold means take a good hard look. You've never seen anything like this before. This is a foreign kind of love. And he says, this is what God has lavished on us that we should be called sons of God. And then he goes on to say, and this is how we love one another. This is what Christians do. We look at God's love for us. It pours into us. We spill it out into the lives of others. Man, that is so good, Bob. I mean, this is uh, Christianity 101 mm -hmm. right here. The fact that um, you know, that the Lord brought this word into existence around the Christian faith. That right there is exciting mm -hmm. and very intriguing and very like God. Yes. To say, oh, I have a different idea of what love means. I'm so grateful for Bob and his insights. And Greg, he addressed how wonderful marriage is, that it's hard as well. Um, hard things are usually good things. Um, how do you encourage couples to find some perspective because it's not always easy and when it's easy i <laughs> it seems so long and difficult <laughs> and we're never going to get out of this yeah and it's true and we need to give the perspective that that marriage is this grandest of all adventures and it's going to have wonderful moments so many wonderful moments and it's going to have hard moments as well it was interesting john here focus on the family it, there was a, a pretty neat season to where just a lot of our younger employees were, were getting engaged. And so I just happened to be in a meeting one time where there was like three of these newly engaged uh, employees of ours. And I just said, hey, what, what are some of the crazy things you've heard as you tell people that, that you're getting married? Mm. And honestly, it depressed me. 
it, it made me sad and it made me mad because they were hearing things like this. Well, you know, marriage is really hard work. You know, things are going to change after you get married. Um, your first year of marriage is going to be the most difficult. You know, the 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? Literally, the, hmm, these all are... All cautionary yes, and naysayers. Yeah. I, one said, yeah, I told this, this one person, here at Focus. And the response was, wow, you're so young to be getting married. Huh. And And I get the heart behind a lot of that. People are genuinely excited, but then they they feel sort of this this sense of responsibility to inject maybe some reality into this starry eyed you know idealistic person or couple. However, what what I think it's important for us to to communicate is first and foremost that we need to praise this couple for choosing to get married. I mean, think about it in this day and age. I mean, how many couples are cohabitating? Mm-hmm. Actually, not even getting married. So I think just praising them, well done, man, you're making the, um, an amazing choice. And and then talk about that marriage is this great adventure that has both hard times and great times. It's both is included. Every time that I talk to a young couple, whether that's a church or even here at Focus, yeah. I always talk about this adventure and, and you see them light up because, you know, everybody loves a good adventure and that instantly frames for them that that you're going to have some awesome experiences. And I tell them, I've been married 30 years, and ah, oh, I love being married to my wife, and ah, oh, this is my best friend. And you know, I'll just I'll start to go on and on about how much fun it is, and then also say that and we go through hard times because God will use those hard times to grow us more like Him and yeah. grow our marriage. And I think ultimately, though, what I want to do with this young couple is if they'll give me an opportunity, I want to unpack why, you know, those first couple years for them will be hard. Not to say, hey, your first couple years are going to be so difficult, but actually talk about, you know what, you're you're about to go through so much change. And when we change, that, that creates stress and stress leads to conflict. Hmm. And to encourage them really, as you're preparing to get married, focus on how do we really manage conflict in a way that's going to bring us closer together? Mm-hmm. And so then I'll just, you know, I'll give them a book or I'll, I'll encourage them to go meet with a mentor, to go in for premarital counseling with the focus of how are we going to handle conflict, stress, change when that inevitably hits us as a couple. Yeah. That's good, and uh, certainly we'd encourage you to stop by our website for all sorts of tools to help you, uh, particularly if you're uh, getting married soon, but also if you're one of those old-timers that leads with a negative. Boy, change that narrative. Own the good stuff in your relationship and lead with the positive. Um, Bob Lapine's book, uh, Love Like You Mean It, can be encouraging and inspiring to you regardless of where you're at in the journey. Uh, Make a one-time gift or a monthly pledge of any amount, and we'll send a copy of that book to you. Uh, We've got the details in the show notes, and we also have a free marriage assessment that can help you. Over a million have taken that now, and uh, it's just a few minutes of your time. Wherever you are, maybe you're just getting married, or maybe you've been married for 10, 20, 30 years, take this assessment and talk through some of the results. You'll find Uh, the areas that are strong, and the areas that might need some attention. Um, The free marriage assessment link is in the show notes. We'll hear from Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta next time as they discuss physical intimacy in marriage. 
For now, on behalf of Aaron and Greg and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.